0: Hey guys, Danny here, editorial director of Courier, the magazine all about working better and living smarter. This podcast, Looking Up, is a brand new six-part series that shines a light on small business owners here in the UK that have been going against the odds, getting clever with new ideas, supporting their communities, and sometimes even growing in big ways during the pandemic and beyond. Looking Up is created in partnership with Instagram, which builds products and features to promote small businesses and help them grow in tough times. Right. So we've been to London, Manchester, Brighton, and Bristol. Today, we're heading to Edinburgh. So today for episode five, we're heading north to Edinburgh. And as ever, I'm joined by Courier's associate editor, Amira Jiva. How are you doing, Amira?
1: Hey, Danny. I'm good.
0: So today, we're talking to two businesses that. I have brick-and-mortar stores in Edinburgh, and they're really fantastic. I mean, one is bon Tot. It's a children's store all about really high-quality, ethical, eco-friendly, sweatshop-free products and clothes. Christina, who I talk to, uh, she's an American who lives in Edinburgh. You know, one of her slogans is working to make kids' fashion circular. So she's all about sustainability. And then I'm talking to Stevie from Sensory General store. It's a pretty awesome, eclectic store that sells, you know, sustainable and ethical products. Everything from ceramics, to skincare. And I know you've been doing some research into Edinburgh and you dug up some stats that it's actually one of the most eco-friendly cities in the entire UK, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Edinburgh was kind of Ranked the greenest city in the UK according to kind of a commercial recycling and waste company called First Mile. And they looked into everything from kind of pollution levels to amount of green space to, you know, recycling rates amongst the population, even, you know, kind of fast fashion consumption and how much plastic is used. And so, you know, Edinburgh came out top in that regard. And, you know, the city's also laid out like a new digital strategy. They're trying to be a smart city that really reduces energy and waste. And so I think, you know, it probably makes sense that that kind of like focus on environmental sustainability really trickles down into, you know, the city's residents and, and also the businesses and, and what they offer as well.
0: Cool. Thanks, Amira. We'll see you in just a bit. So today in Edinburgh, we're kicking it off with Christina Curry, a fellow American here in the UK. Christina is the co-founder of Bon Tot. An independent shop with a really great selection of sustainable children's wear, toys, and other great stuff for kids. And maybe their parents, too. I caught up with Christina to hear about her slice of the children's market and how she's fared during lockdown, plus her philosophy on digging in and getting stuff done.
2: Monta is a modern kid's store. It's kind of the baseline definition of it. We started it six years ago because we didn't see what we wanted, you know, in the local marketplace, basically. So I had a background in small business and an interest in retail. We knew we could make it happen, the things we wanted to see in our city. But of course, it's not my, <laughs> it's not my birth city. I'm a, an American. I was born in Michigan, but I moved here from Philadelphia 14 years ago. And I came here via holiday romance, actually. <laughs> I came here on holiday about 16 years ago and met my now husband. And we got married two years after that. And I, I've lived here ever since.
0: Amazing. And what drew you to Opening up a boutique focused on children, did you just think that there weren't really many options out there in Edinburgh in particular?
2: No, absolutely there was not. It was still very stuffy and old fashioned. I would describe it as, you know, very John Lewis focused. And John Lewis caters to everybody, which is, you know, what a big department store does. But beyond that, there really wasn't an independent scene for kids. And Edinburgh is such an independent-minded city and has tons of like boutique, small indie retailers. So we felt like that the city would absolutely support that style of store, because that's how people shop here, really. You know, I love people. I love business. It was just kind of the perfect storm. I was becoming such a new consumer, a new kind of consumer. I was pregnant. That was the other side of that story. I was about to become a mother. Yeah, so I just had my eyes, like, you know, focused in kind of this new space. It felt Absolutely, like the right thing to do.
0: That's really intriguing because I imagine that's how so many businesses start, right? You were just looking for something for yourself and realized that nothing appealed to you.
2: I mean, those are my favorite stories. I think I'm really drawn to that when people, yeah, they fill the gap they were looking for. I'm really into that because I think it allows you to get creative and to really dig deep on who you are and what you like and what you're about and what are kind of your ethos like for life. And putting something in the space where it was missing. I think that's a powerful way to start a business.
0: How about when the pandemic hit, notwithstanding your own business, but did the children's wear and baby toys sector suffer a lot or did actually that kind of stay the same because, you know, kids always need that sort of stuff?
2: Well, the people who suffered in our industry were the clothing brands. So I think like with a lot of men's and women's fashion, children's fashion really follows the footsteps of the men's and women's calendar. So it's like seasonal collections twice a year. And you're getting the fabric from kind of all over the world. But specifically, you know, a lot of Italian, Spanish and Portuguese, both fabric and manufacturing. So I know that that was a really difficult time for the clothing brands. A lot of our friends have brands and you know, the delays were crazy, trying to keep to a schedule because of course, everything's been paid for so far in advance. These brands are they have to drop, you know, at at launch time, that's it, you know, I think it put them in a really, really difficult situation. On the other side, the toy, like educational toy, at-home play, organization, stationery, all that kind of stuff was absolutely thriving. I think they have different needs. So it felt like because so many Italian factories had shut down, clothing was hit particularly hard, but the other part of the industry was really thriving because we suddenly saw parents homeschooling. We suddenly saw no childcare. Parents were now solely in charge of their children. And for most people, that was a brand new experience. And they had a lot of needs for being home all the time.
0: And how about your business? I mean, when lockdown first emerged, at least lockdown 1.0 back in March, I guess it was. How did you guys respond? Because obviously you have a physical store.
2: You know, I think like everybody in the first maybe two or three days of closing, you know, we were worried, we, we were felt unsure. But I really quickly realized that I was personally thriving in this kind of chaos. And I got really focused you know, some people felt like that really loss of control was really difficult, I think, for some people to move forward. But I did I didn't find that I really had the opposite. I think I'd never been so focused and I had like a lot of purpose. I think things felt, you know, scary and dangerous. But because our businesses had to physically close, but we were allowed to stay open online, there's a bit of, oh, should we? Or are we supposed to go to the post office? You know, what what's what are the rules really? But as soon as it became clear that there was like an extreme demand for what we had, I just this was absolutely You know, we were on fire. And personally, I just worked every single day. And we stayed really safe. And we worked one at a time in our shop packing orders. And then we just limited delivery to once a week, we would take things to the post office. Because we're small, and because we're sort of led by me personally, quite a lot, we're very agile. So we had new demands coming up all the time, you know, as the pandemic progressed. And, and, you know, okay, now we're actually not going to go back to school. Okay, now we're in summer holidays. Okay, now our kids need Masks. Okay, now I'm going to work from home for the rest of the year. At every change and every kind of curve, we could meet the new demand. So it really played to my skills, which are researching, kind of picking up and listening to what the needs of the customer are, and then being able to get things in and get moving with them quickly. And communicating. I like to communicate with the customer. So we just stayed nimble and open-minded and listened. And, you know, I I would just have to say one other little thing personally, and from a business perspective, I just was really focused on the day and the week. I couldn't really think beyond that because things kept changing so much, but that was my kind of survival, business survival was to to not think too far in advance. Yeah. (laughs) Did
0: you double down on any particular product category that you saw taking off just based on e-commerce sales?
2: Yes. So (laughs) one thing in particular, I kind of made it started making a big joke about the relaxing bath. What is this? (laughs) I don't have kids. Yeah. So, well, you know how adults. Well, maybe you take baths, maybe you don't. But so like, you know, there, <laughs> know. you know, some people just shower. But so like a relaxing bath is like lights low, candles on, a wine or a coffee. Maybe you're going to read a magazine. Maybe you're going to watch a show on the iPad. Like that's a relaxing bath, right? So it's just like really nice space you create for yourself. Well, my daughter found out about <laughs> what I call a relaxing bath. She was like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm Relaxing. <laughs> And she's like, I want that. So I started gathering these products and kind of like documenting this experience of my daughter spending like up to two hours in the bath, just like playing. We have a lot of bath toys in our store. And I, so I kind of made this joke about, and like did the little trademark, you know, emoji of relaxing bath and it went crazy. So we had like so many amazing Japanese bath products and bath products from Scandinavia. Everything is all natural. We have Spanish natural rubber. And so we made this massive thing because the reality is it was time to get some peace. Like you could keep your kid occupied in the bath. So you could like have a coffee, read a book or catch up on social media or work or whatever. Cause parents were really desperate to carve out any kind of personal space for themselves. Being with your kids is really, it's, it is intense. I mean, so we, we really focused on the bath. It's just, and you know, daytime bath, morning bath, night bath, you know, it doesn't just have to be. Yeah.
0: I love it. So, you kind of invented this new trend category.
2: Yeah. And that's just an ongoing thing now. It's a big category for us, actually. So, the bath. And then we really focused on home organization for kids. So, we had, again, a lot of Japanese and Spanish stationery. And that was something we already had, you know, things, products we just really liked. They look good, they work, they last forever. So, that at home organization became a big category for us.
0: And you think that will, you know, those changes will stick along for the long term?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's such a hot topic and I think everybody's questioning you know the way we did things before was that really best for us what do we really want now and both in how we're restricted but also just does it work for our lives Bond taught I almost feel like it's emerging as a completely different business. We're definitely reducing our hours. We're actually reopening our shop this week. We have not reopened since we were allowed to here in Scotland. We just weren't ready. We were too busy online. We turned the shop into a warehouse. It was working for us, basically. I think my role again at home as a mother, you know, things were a bit uncertain with school. We just needed to, all my staff, like their life situations all changed during lockdown. So I have been taking our time. And I feel that that will be the way moving forward that the business hours, the shop hours will change. I think we're learning. We probably don't need to stretch ourselves as much as we were. You know, you always want to push. You want to have the longest hours possible and open seven days. And I think, you know, we're going to slow that down a little bit. Everybody's constantly analyzing, you know, keeping your bricks and mortar going. Is it going to work? I feel we're going to just think harder about what works for us. I think I learned a lot about about being so open to change, and and again, that listening, and and what do people really need, and yes, what do they want? But I think we don't want to feel like we want to stay in the moment and keep the tone right, and just make sure we're um, listening to ourselves and doing the right thing for everyone. That's <laughs> I do think that's genuinely how it, how I feel. It feels positive but cautious, I guess.
0: And what about the city itself? How have small businesses? in Edinburgh. How have they kind of coped as a whole to what's been going on? I mean, you just mentioned, you know, you could have opened previously, but you haven't. I mean, for those who don't know, are the regulations in Scotland right now quite different to the rest of the UK?
2: Yes, we are really different from England and Wales. So non-essential shops can be open here. We've been able to be open since I actually can't remember it was in the summer or August maybe. It's bars and restaurants who are restricted here. So they're in a more much more, you know, all the hospitality is in a really difficult space, but shops are not. We're free to do, you know, what we need to do as long as we're following, you know, the face coverings and things, but so the independent retailers here in Edinburgh have been absolutely amazing. It's been so inspiring. You know, obviously many of them are my friends. The business community here is really tight-knit. Everyone has just gone for it. They're trying to save their businesses, and I think everybody had a little bit of a different spin on what they were able to do and how they were able to change and how they're able to meet those customer needs. And like I said, Edinburgh is incredibly supportive of Indies. It's always been like that. So I think our customers, our local customers, massively doubled down on their commitment to shopping local and sticking with us. Coming up after the
0: break, three big lessons
2: from lockdown.
0: Stay tuned.
1: Hi, it's Amira. I'm speaking with small business founders who've used Instagram to help their businesses thrive despite the pandemic. Here's Susan Doherty. Founder of Life Story, a Scandinavian design led store based in Edinburgh.
3: Do you know I've really enjoyed using Instagram and with Life Story because it's so visual and it's just something that's quite natural for me, it's allowed me to create an engaged community of like-minded people and also to develop my own brand voice. And I've really enjoyed doing that. And I think for me, and certainly more laterally, it's all about using the platform as a tool to visually and verbally show up as yourself. You can incorporate, you know, your beautiful swish branding, but I think it's really important to be you. And I think that's helped an awful lot over lockdown, particularly.
1: Have you used Instagram to stay in touch with your audience during the pandemic?
3: I Yes, for me with lockdown, like a lot of small businesses, I furloughed my employees and protected them and then just continued by myself. Having that engaged community on Instagram really helped because I was able to talk to people directly, you know, in DMs and show them what was going on. I did lots of local deliveries myself. I was cycling, so I was super safe because it was just me on my bike and I was kind of cutting out the courier by just taking the item directly to the doorstep. And lots of the customers who I did that for were actually people that I was in touch with on Instagram because they were able to see that I was doing that.
1: You mentioned using DMs. Are there any other features that have been especially useful on Instagram?
3: Yeah, I find shops really helpful and I think stories is brilliant for me. I use stories quite a lot and I've started to delve a little bit into reels as well. There are definitely benefits of incorporating tagging your products in your stories you know linking everything and trying to make the features work together to deliver on the goal that you have for example showcasing a a product drop or something that's come back into stock or doing a little shop tour just being able to tag the product so that people have a direct link to go in and read a little bit more in their own time.
1: Reels is one of the newer features I know you've been testing out.
3: Reels it's a way of like capturing that kind of frivolous sort of fun side of things. I think it's a nice way to make content super engaging. And obviously reels are appearing a lot in our feeds as well. So if you're creating a reel, it's a nice way of being sure that it might be seen by more people. So yeah, I've done one or two that have had a lot of views and and they've just been a moment where I've kind of just had an idea about something and I've just done it honestly without even like planning it or thinking about it. It's really easy to use. So I find, I find it quite easy and quite fun.
1: Any plans for your next reel?
3: I think, you know, I stock a lot of small makers and independent brands. I've got over 100 suppliers to the store. And so one of the things that I want to do is use reels to incorporate some of their content, so some of their video content and sort of create little kind of mini interesting reels that are collections in themselves and showcase a little bit of that.
1: Do you have any advice for other small businesses looking to create you know, fun and engaging content on Instagram?
3: I think now is a really important time to be using a platform like Instagram because you can turn up, you can speak directly to your audience, you can create your niche. The community, particularly of independent businesses, is so strong and everyone's there and you can kind of have that support. So I would say to people, don't wait for things to go back to normal. Just start now, start where you are, start in whatever shape or form you are. Don't worry about any small details, just turn up and start. Remembering that there are a lot of features in... Instagram, particularly in stories, you know, geotagging is really helpful. And there are ways that you can use that that can help in terms of locating yourself and for example, me, my own shop, but also makers as well. In my case, you know, using stickers and gifts and all the fun little things that do give a little bit more interaction, polls, the yes or no, you know, that sort of thing, asking a question, all of those features do seem to catch people's attention. And everybody likes to have a little bit of interaction, especially in these times. So make it easy, make it easy and fun and don't take it too seriously. I guess that's what I would advise.
0: Danny here, and we're going to turn now to Stevie Kirkwood, who's co-founder, along with his partner, Nadia, of Century General Store, an independent shop in Edinburgh, packed with, as you can imagine, given the title, tons of good things. As the two write on their website, they wear their hearts on their sleeves as a business, talking openly about their family's life, their son's journey with autism, topics like Black Lives Matters, and the climate crisis, calling the store an antidote to mass production. Stevie told me the three big things he and Nadia have learned during lockdown. The first lesson was to be
4: authentic. Immediately, we realized that if you come from a place of authenticity, your customers, they'll understand and support you. For example, we were transparent about caring for a child with special needs and what that means practically, we simply cannot be in two places at once. There was an option for us, for me to go in and run the store but because of the needs of our child and so many friends have with children who, who, who couldn't, couldn't go to school we realised that it was impossible to be in two places with once. Likewise with the Black Lives Matter movement we articulated that from a personal point of view my partner's black, my father-in-law's black It matters to our family and it means that people, they can understand how it feels. It feeds into what we do here at Century. So we're open and honest. It just felt natural for us to be that way. We've always been a a shop where people could come in and you know enter as a stranger and leave as a friend as corny as that sounds. You really are um, more than just someone that's providing goods and services. With the care packages we just thought about what would we like to receive? What would we like to benefit from? What would bring us moments of respite and make us feel valued or seen? It wasn't really a huge leap of the imagination to get these care packages up and running and our store has always been, we've tried to make it a place of positivity and well-being, and we feel that's crucial to get through each day. So, yes, yeah, the first point would be authenticity and honesty.
0: Stevie's second big lesson, he says, is that a small business owner during such a time has to really focus on what they have and just keep moving forward.
4: We had to close the door on the business that we did know and that we'd known in the past. We had to quickly work out what we were left with and build something from there. For us, it never felt like an option to just sit it out, mothball the business, come back to it at a later date with the overheads. We didn't have enough in storage in the bank to keep us going like that and also we weren't able to find uh, the headspace to think about sitting it out. It was a huge sense of relief when we realised we could still do something, that we could adapt. We couldn't change our personal circumstances, but we could shift our perspective. The hours we worked changed, the way we were delivering products to people changed. You know, it may have been rough around the edges, but it really was genuine. We really believed in what in what we were doing was, was bringing people happiness. And we discovered needed an outlet as well. It was, you know, there were more than just orders from a shop. It was really a story behind the orders. A conversation through email, you know, five, six, seven emails back and forth just for something to get sent out because we wanted to listen and we wanted to hear what was happening. And it helped us realise that we weren't alone as well. I guess, yeah, the second point would be that focus on what you do have. And
0: lastly, Stevie says that a small business owner shouldn't have to choose
4: between their beliefs and their business. A small business is a personal thing. When it's a small independent business, what we are doing at Century, it reflects our core beliefs and that emphasis we keep on people, equality, kindness, care. We just felt that's what we do. We be honest, we be open. When we're having hard days, we let people know they're hard days and we let people know if they're having hard days too, that they're not alone, and we will get through this. Not so much from the the stiff upper lip, but also, you know, it's, you know, you don't have to just be quiet and get on with your life. You can you can be open, and you can be, you can talk about these things as well.
0: And that was episode five of Looking Up. Coming up next week, for the final episode, we're heading to Birmingham to see how businesses there have adapted and pivoted, and what they've learned along the way. Looking Up is created in partnership with Instagram, which builds products and features to promote and support small businesses, and to help them grow in tough times. And for more stories from Courier, just head to couriermedia.co. I'm Danny Giacopelli. We'll see you next week.